Good evening, everyone. Anne-Marie Cronin here along with Siobhan Cronin. We are both going to be hosting this special live broadcast on 760 WJR. We're going to be talking about the prevention of disease and the urgency of taking action before the onset of serious medical problems. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is with us tonight to talk about how you can avoid heart attack and stroke altogether and what you need to do to prevent all the major diseases of our time. If you have a question, we're opening up the lines and taking your calls. So please make a note of this number, 800-859-0957. We'll be repeating it throughout the show. And this is your chance and opportunity rare in this country to talk directly to the doctor. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. You're listening to 760 WJR. Again, I'd like to welcome all of you to our special medical show here on 760 WJR. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin along with Siobhan Cronin and we are both here tonight to talk to you about prevention and why you have to start looking at healthcare from a totally different perspective. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, our specialist, is joining us from Birmingham, Michigan and he'll be giving us some hard talk about dealing with our health and making sure we get the necessary testing. We're inviting you to call in if you have a question at 800 859 0957. Again, that's 800 859 Siobhan, welcome back from Miami. Do you have callers? Thank you. Yes, we have Greg from Shelby on the line. Greg, what's your question? Hey, Happy New Year, you guys, Mr. Positive. Hey, this is going to be a unique question. Dr. Collender, what is the difference between a heart attack and cardiac arrest? You know, Good question. You're, you're not the only person to ask that question, and I've had patients ask me that exact question. And, you know, I would just call it, um, you know, they're really the same thing. Um, a cardiac arrest, however, kind of suggests a heart rhythm problem where you had a, you know, your heart, your heartbeat stopped. Um, and a heart attack really implies that you had a blood flow problem. And it does not mean that a blood flow problem didn't cause your heartbeat to stop. So um, for the lay person, I would say they're interchangeable terms and that it's a, a heart attack that caused a cardiac arrest. So it's, um, you know, but in my mind, a cardiac arrest can mean, you know, the heart stopped and that's something like a defibrillator would help. But again, even if you had a, blood flow problem, had a heart attack, your heart wasn't beating. That's why AEDs are around. And, you know, this is a topic right now because of the Buffalo Bills football player who had a cardiac arrest on the field. But it probably, again, I don't know anything about this guy's condition. I don't think anyone does. You know, it's being closely held. No one knows anything about his health. But he had a cardiac arrest. And at 24 years old, it probably wasn't a heart attack. And so well, he, what do you think it was? The trauma of the hit caused him to have a cardiac arrest. Now, did he have a predisposing condition that made him susceptible to that? I there's no we do not know. We don't know. Is that something that, that impact could actually cause you to have cardiac arrest? Just just brute force yeah, like that? Why not? I mean, it's not common, but it's possible. I mean, people do brute force to restart your heart. You know, you're, you know, you see people pounding on someone's chest to restart their heart. I mean, it's a little medieval, but um, 
it's, you know, you're doing compressions and getting someone's heart to get going. That's CPR. Um, and then you do the AED to give them a shock. So in a way, you're the, the pounding is generating energy, transmitting to the heart. And hopefully it triggers a, the rhythm to restart. So let's assume that that is exactly what happened, that he was hit by a flying object that stopped his heart. Then why is it when he was paddled within... 30 seconds or one minute of that happening because he was very fortunate to have, uh, you know, an emergency unit on the field that could get to him. And he was resuscitated not once, but twice. But also, as I mentioned to you while we were on Facebook, what about the little 12 year old boy that dropped dead? I mean, we're always worried about well, the big let's athletes. Let's this question. No, it's the same question. It's no, the it same isn't. question. It's screening not. is what it's about. It's about screening. Was he screened? Well, no, you're talking about treatment on the field and then you're moving on to screening. So, we don't know anything about this guy's health. We have no idea other than to say he's a, you know, a, a multi-million dollar athlete. And you'd like to think that the person paying them is doing their due diligence to protect their investment in hiring that person. So you'd like to think that a professional athlete is getting screened for, you know, cardiovascular conditions like structural anomalies, you know, cardiomyopathies, things that kill athletes. You know, you see basketball players in the past dropping dead on the court because they had an undiagnosed anomaly, you know, they were born with, it wasn't picked up. So, you know, this is 2023 and now we're screen. you know, I imagine an athlete's being screened for those conditions. But I imagine they're not getting the CIMT or CT. I agree. Well Calcium said, scoring, correct? Yeah, I mean, right. No, but they're not, not saying those are not the things to do, but those are more prevention of heart disease, stroke, and you're not worried about that for a 25-year-old, you know, physically fit person. So... Um, why not? Wait a minute. I'm stopping you there. What do you mean? Why? I mean, why not? What about the boy that dropped dead of cardiac arrest at 12? Nobody's well, worried about him. That's, that's again, probably going to be a structural anomaly that's going to be picked up by an echocardiogram, a heart ultrasound that looks at the walls of the heart and how it's beating the blood flow of the heart. That's the kind of test that needs to be done as a screening test for athletes. Now, we talked about, you know, off the air. Should that test be done in echocardiogram on high school athletes? Because while I was trying to learn as much as I could a week ago, two weeks ago about DeMar Hamlin, you know, something pops up on my, you know, clickbait and it's some unfortunate high school athlete in Texas died, you know, got in a tackle, walked to the sidelines and dropped and then was dead. And it was, and it was brain trauma. It wasn't a heart condition for that kid. It was a brain trauma. But there are kids that drop dead because they had an undiagnosed cardiovascular condition. And, yeah, those should be screened. But who's paying for it? That's a problem with our the country. The government's paying not, for it. Let's move, let's move on it. and come back and talk about that on the other side of the break. Again, you're listening to our weekly live medical radio show where we keep you up to date on all medical solutions from dealing with COVID to avoiding catastrophic disease. We are here with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, talking about prevention. If you have a specific question and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to prevent disease, call us at 800-859-0957, 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. It's going to shut everything you say. 
Welcome back to our special live weekly medical show on 760 WJR. We are back again with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician in Birmingham, Michigan. As a recognized leader in the field of catastrophic disease prevention, including heart attacks, stroke, diabetes, and many chronic conditions, he's here tonight to give us some hard advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether. Through advanced and more sophisticated diagnostic technology, we are now able to arrest and reverse the progress of these silent killers. We're inviting listeners to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, we have a couple callers on the line. Maybe we should start with them. Sounds good. Okay. So first off, we have Scott in Dearborn. Scott, what's your question? Yeah, hi, guys. Um, My brother uh, passed away. He, He died on the soccer field playing soccer. He had a heart condition from the moment he was born called a heart murmur, um, which uh, my, my boys, too, also uh, had a heart murmur, diagnosed with a heart murmur when they were growing up. Um, but my brother at 17 was playing soccer on the soccer field and died on the soccer field. They, they did treadmill tests at DMC and everything else. So I, I don't know. It's just... Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Scott. Um, 17 is horrible. Um, And do you know if they did an echocardiogram? We've talked about doing a heart wall ultrasound. You know if they did that on your brother to see to screen him? This was in this was in 1990. So I just know that they it was a treadmill test is all they did, and then. You'd have to do that to get qualified to go because he used to wrestle. He played. We played baseball. We played football, but it was soccer. I don't know if it overexerted his heart or, you know, running up and down the field. But yeah. Well, you know, you've got to get your boys an echocardiogram. Um, so echocardiogram. Str- yeah, okay. and you might want to get it also because, just you never know because some hypertrophic cardiomyopathies that can lead to, you know, arrest, death, blood flow problems against a blood flow because of there's thickness in the wall of the heart. That is genetic. It's not that common, but it's genetically exposed. Yeah, I was going to ask you if that is genetic. It um, is. Wow. It's not common. Wow. But um, so that's not going to be identified on a treadmill test. The treadmill test is to identify blood flow problems, which is really unlikely in a 17-year-old athlete. Is that like a stress test or yeah. is this different? Okay, so treadmill test is another word for Well, you can do a stress test without the pictures, you know, where they just do the EKG and look for EKG changes during a, you know, during exertion. And, and it may not, that kind of problem may not show up on a treadmill test. Where does it show up? On the echo, on an ultrasound test. Okay. Not the carotid test that we do for no, artery marking, but they just point the ultrasound probe at your heart and take pictures of it. So your kids should get checked, and um, and you probably should too, and just to make sure that they're good to go for, um, you know, for their sports, um, for their schooling. Because the the term murmur is a very nonspecific term. A murmur is just a noise that you can hear on a stethoscope when there's, um, you know, when there's backflow, you know, they're in the heart. So in between heartbeats, you can hear sounds. And so sounds could be described as a murmur. So 
a murmur could be anything. It could literally be anything. It doesn't mean it doesn't define that specific problem that causes, you know, sudden death in athletes. Okay. Um, so up next, we have David in Bloomfield Hills on the line. David, what's your question? Hi, good evening, everyone. I'm just baffled, would be the word, that all these sudden deaths, whether it's a heart attack or something wrong with, uh, did you say, doctor, something about a uh, trauma to the head? Well, the, the Buffalo Bills player had a chest trauma that probably triggered his cardiac arrest. We've talked about, you know, high school, a football player that I read about who had a head trauma that caused him to die, you know, soon after he was taken off the field. Um, right, but those are, you know, those are two of those conditions. But there have been a lot of athlete deaths reported in the news over the last couple of years, you know, that have been, I don't know if you're going this direction, but in the in the media, it's been attributed to the to COVID or the vaccine and you know blood clots. Oh blood clots? Blood well, clots are the cause, whether it's the heart or the brain. I don't know that you can say that, you know, uh, and and make that kind of a broad stroke for all of these different people that are dying from all, you know, different sports and things like that. Um we just don't know. You know, so from me, you know, as a prevention specialist and expert, I, I like to make sure that we get the data that identifies risk. And even if you're young and healthy, 30 years old, 25 years old, you should be getting screened for vascular health so that you have the tools to move forward. And if you're going to be a high level athlete, then you may need additional screening like an echocardiogram to make sure that you're safe from having some unknown structural anomaly that you don't know about. So, Dr. Collender, what do you, how do you feel about it? Still, go ahead. Yeah. Sure. Well, I was going to ask a real quick question is, uh, if, if you are, let's just say you're 50 years old or older, can you remember ever in your life hearing maybe one, maybe two instances growing up in the, in the 1960s or 70s or 80s, you might have heard of maybe three a year where somebody had a heart attack in a football field or a baseball field. And today, I think you could say that there were 1,200 of them in the last year. Well, that's due to several things. Number one is the social media. And that so anytime anything happens to anybody, we all get immediate news about it. So we're all connected on our phone everywhere all the time. That's number one. Number two is heart attack and stroke deaths are increasing. You know, this is, even though time has gone by and you think our healthcare system would be better and there'd be fewer chronic diseases. The technology's better. It's all, all these events are increasing in, in frequency. Um, you know, and so between more awareness in the media and access to news and the lack of our system to be able to prevent conditions, it just seems like there's more. Um, another reason is, you know, we're just not recognizing the effect, the negative effects of, and I'm going to say toxins in our environment. So we live in an increasingly toxic environment 
which generates inflammation that causes all kinds of symptoms and death is one of those symptoms. So you just don't know how anyone's given environment is going to impact them negatively, which is why you need to have the right kind of screening to identify, you know, we use vascular health in my practice as a basis of starting and, and to move and follow progress of our treatments because we have measurable tools that are easy and inexpensive that you can use. So all of these things, you know, have an impact. Um, epigenetics, again, increasing poisons in our environment. Um, you know, all of that has a increasing diabetes, uh, undiagnosed conditions. So even though we got the tools, no one's doing anything about it. They all expect to take a pill that's going to make them better. And that obviously isn't working because, you know, we keep saying 650,000 heart attack and stroke deaths, Amory. It's like up to 800,000 now. That's obnoxious. It's up to eight. That's that's I, terrible. You know, I have a presentation that I do, and I keep having to change that slide. Every year I got to redo that slide of how many people die every year for a heart attack. Sad, yeah. Yeah, so when we started doing this show, it was 650,000, and now it's over 850. Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, you would think they would have done something about the preventative tests that are out there by now in order to stop these numbers. Yeah, well, for now, we'll have to take a quick break. And again, you are listening to a special live medical broadcast on the prevention and medical management of disease. If you have a specific question and would like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke or have a question on any of the subjects discussed tonight, please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live medical broadcast on 760 WJR. We're fortunate to have Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention here tonight to give us some straight talk about two important topics, prevention and being proactive. Please tune in to our weekly show Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. and live Thursday at 7. We are inviting you to call in with your questions and talk to the doctor directly at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, we have a couple callers on the line, so we'll start with them first. Um, first up, we have David in Windsor. David, what's your question? Yes, my question for Dr. Collender is this, and I don't know if this is a very good question to ask or not, but in today, today many people have a different lifestyle that could possibly affect, affect their heart conditions as well. In other words, they have like different forms of stress, stressful lifestyles going from point A to point B and then not being able to um, relax and just be able to take the time out to take a breather. And also that could cause, you know, sort of things like that that can cause a person to collapse on the basketball court, on the track and field site, on the, at the finish line, at the, at the end of a marathon to collapse of a heart attack. What what would you attribute that to? Well, David, all questions are good questions. So um, thanks for calling. You know, the, the main tenets of lifestyle are being as plant-based as possible, regular exercise, have a good home life, optimize your sleep, and manage stress. So these are things I talk about with my patients every time we sit down and and 
and I reinforce the positive things that they're doing and we strategize together on how to change the things that are not as good. And it's the foundation for prevention is optimizing your lifestyle. Your medicines don't work if your lifestyle isn't optimized. So all of this about, you know, we, we talked off there and, and last in the last segment about how cardiovascular deaths are increasing every year. And that is unrelated to COVID. It really isn't. It's um, in my opinion, it's because we've gone further away from prevention than we've ever been. We're, you know, all the focus on health on TV is about getting a vaccine instead of identifying your risk. And, you know, we're not paying attention to identify cardiovascular risk. Uh, you need to have the data that measures risk. And as far as, again, I think young kids, student athletes, they're in a different category. They need to be screened for the things that kill them, which aren't the same things that kill 30 and over. You know, they're, you know, they've got anomalies and I hate to say it, suicide is their number one cause of, you know, teenage death. And that's, uh, there was a psychiatric commercial before we came on, but that's the biggest problem there is mental health and young people. So that should be screened as well. Um, and a proper attention needs to be paid for all of these things that impact health because that's stress, David, that's stress. And so learning to manage that and um, having proper tools is critical. Um, so, yeah, all that's important. We have another caller. Yeah, yeah. Up next, we have Daniel in Heartland. Daniel, what's your question? Uh, thank you. Uh, I noticed uh, in the last uh, three or five or 40 years that uh, I've been hearing more about, uh, you know, lymphoma uh, tumors. And I believe a lot of your tumors is caused from stress where the uh, whether it be cigarettes, drugs, or, uh, you know, a poor environment, um, or maybe some type of uh, injury, uh, where the tumors uh, develop. And what it does is it cuts the, uh, it's a form of uh, neurological, um, you know, uh, defect uh, to where it's cutting blood off in certain arteries in the human body. And, uh, you know, the mind controls the body and all that kind of stuff. But, uh uh, but I also know that a lot of your heart attacks are caused from uh, uh, in strokes as well is, of course, stress. Uh, and people don't uh, – I've heard different theories on sleep where the brain actually expands three inches or something like that. Not sure about the dimensions, but uh, uh, but it can only do that in an eight-hour sleep process. And most children, when they go to bed at 9 o'clock, because their parents demand it. Uh, Daniel, you know, not to are, interrupt you, but can, what, what's your question for the doctor? Well, yeah, um, my my question would be is that when um, I've heard that blood clots, uh, you know, or cholesterol, uh, it's not so much of a problem, but it's when it breaks loose is when it becomes a problem because in, you know, it, can, it can stop the, uh, you know, the heart from functioning correctly or a brain aneurysm or something like that as well. Well, Daniel, thanks for calling. You know, we've had a couple questions about blood clots, you know, references to blood clots. So, let me try to explain that heart attacks and strokes are not caused by blood clots per se. They're caused by plaque rupture. And so if you imagine you're, you know, one of the arteries feeding your brain or feeding your heart is a, you know, a small tube and plaque is the 
the result of inflammation to your body, you know, from whatever it is, stress. We've talked a lot about stress today, high cholesterol, blood pressure, diabetes, smoking. So whatever is causing this inflammation creates like a pimple inside the wall of your artery. And that's a cholesterol pus pimple, which can rupture. And if it ruptures inside the wall of your artery, your body wants to heal that injury with a by forming a clot, just like you'd have a, like that's how your body stops you from bleeding out if you cut your finger with a paper cut. That's not the same as a blood clot that causes like a pulmonary embolism or people have a DVT, deep venous thrombosis, which is a blood clot. That's a venous blood clot. These are artery clots that are healing an injury to your artery, which is a normal process caused by inflammation which is an abnormal process. So identifying your risk of these events by looking at the artery wall, measuring the layers where these pimples inside your wall develop is the best way to identify your individual risk. And as far as cancer goes, and I appreciate your attention to cancer, unfortunately, none of the things that you were saying that cause cancer are accurate. Um, and that's, I'm going to say, beyond the scope of this show today. But I want to bring up, I just told Amory that I would not talk about this, but here I go. There are blood tests that you can identify cancer stage one, which we do in our office. So even though our bailiwick is heart attack and stroke prevention, any tool that I think is appropriate to identify risk of dying early, we want to have in our office. You know, so we're and you do, by the way, do. you do. So I mean, you make a career out of getting all this uh, diagnostic testing lined up in your office. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, to my personal financial detriment. So, <laughs> so we want to have. So now you've got a blood test that can tell you if you've got cancer stage one. So worrying about why you cancer is there and is it from stress and the environment and having blood clots and it doesn't. I don't say it doesn't matter because it does. But the reality is the actionable, uh, you know, the tool that you have all of you at your disposable to, disposal today is this blood test. It'll tell you if you have cancer today because out of the five or six cancers that your insurance will cover for screening, that's it. The other 50, 43 out of the other 50 aren't covered. And if if you get them, you're not going to find it until you're dead. Like that's where you find out you're, you've got cancer, you've got three months to live and you're calling uh, your doctor to get Keytruda because you saw it on TV. That's going to give you three more weeks. How about find it early, have a good surgeon, pluck it out and you're cured. So cured sounds a lot better than remission. And the only way to find that is to find it in stage one. And there's blood tests for that that, of course, your insurance doesn't cover. I want to come back and talk about that because I know we're running out of time right now. And we have, I know you, I know you don't, <laughs> but I think that the listener needs to know about it because it's out there and they ought to have it available to them and they ought to know that it's out there. I know you're the only doctor that has it. Well, for now, we're going to have to take a quick break. You are listening to a special live broadcast tonight where the topic is your health and how to prevent disease. When we come back, if you have a specific question on the sub subjects we're discussing and would like to hear from the doctor directly, please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that number is 800-859-0957. 
You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to the final segment of our special weekly live broadcast here on 760 WJR on the importance of being proactive and informed of the resources available to prevent and treat chronic and debilitating disease. You're listening to the expert advice of Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician, and one of the very few specialists in prevention in this country. If you have a question for the doctor, now is your chance to call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, we have a caller on the line, so let's jump right to it. We have Jean in Windsor. Jean, what's your question? Yes, uh, the average person has been exposed to having certain health injections. I would like to know if a person has suffered myocarditis or a fatal heart attack, by doing an autopsy, can they see the differences in the arteries around the heart that have not been seen in the past? I thank you. I'll listen to you on the radio. Well, thank you for calling. Um, so the thing about, you know, I think you're referring to complications, you know, that are listed on the website for some vaccines that, you know, those myocarditis complications. and. Um, so the good news is that, you know, myocarditis does go away. You know, it's a self-limiting condition, you know, whatever the cause is, whether it's spontaneous or trauma or possibly vaccine-related. And again, this is a, you know, documented side effect on some of the vaccines. So the problem with having myocarditis, and I'm not answering your question directly because I'm it's taking me on another tangent here. The problem with hemorrhages is going, oh no. Right. <laughs> so the problem with having myocarditis, even though it's self-limiting, is that any trauma or inflammation or viral illness or inflam you know, autoimmune related injury to the heart can lead to heart failure later in life. It's not like, oh, I had this and it's gone. Anyone who has any of these kind of things are at higher risk for heart failure as they get older. So it's no little thing to get myocarditis, whatever the cause is, you know, and whether it's, you know, naturally occurring, accidental or iatrogenic. And iatrogenic means administered by a doctor. Caused by the doctor. Caused by a doctor. An iatrogenic disorder, yeah. So whatever the cause of your myocarditis, it's probably going to cause all these people who've been getting it lately um, long-term heart problems down the road. And so, you know, what's not talked about, again, is DeMar Hamlin, who had this heart injury, he's at higher risk for having a heart problem down the road. Now, when I mean problem, I mean heart failure. And because heart failure is a, another way that inflammation can cause damage, heart enlargement, um, which leads you to predispose to irregular heartbeats, you know, more medication, and eventually it kills you. You know, it might take a long time. It may not happen to your 60 or 70, but still... No one at 60 or 70 is, feels good about dying now. Like, I certainly don't. You know, and no one does. So, you know, you might tell your, you know, your 24-year-old son who recovered from iatrogenic, wink, wink, 
myocarditis. Um, don't worry, it's over. You'll be okay. No, that your 24 year old son is at risk for chronic injury down the road because of that. And that's not being talked about. So, um, that's as much as we're going to talk about that today, because unfortunately there's COVID policies on social media that we do not want to Violate. Violate, thank you, because, um, you know, then we're not on the air and we want to be able to educate people as much as Absolutely. we can. Absolutely. And yeah. if we're not on the air, we're not educating you. Well, right. I'd like to come back over the break. And for anyone listening on the air, we do have an extensive discussion on Facebook Live uh, when we're off the air. So definitely tune in there for yes. continued discussion. But um, we were talking about this, this stigma that's associated with people not wanting to do certain screenings because they're not covered by insurance, right? And it's not necessarily the financial choice. It's more the fact that there's this this misconception that somehow it's, something is somewhat less legitimate if it's not covered by insurance. You know, this is, um, you know, a beautiful and effective marketing that our insurance companies have done. And I'm going to say complicit with the FDA that if it's not FDA covered and approved by your insurance for coverage, it's not good. And unfortunately, that's not true at all. And this is what's led me to my, on my discovery of prevention and my choices to make these decisions and what to offer my patients is that, you know, I learned about one thing that I thought was great as a concierge doctor, because when you're not bound by what's covered or not covered, you can open your eyes and learn new things. Then I asked myself, what else is great that's out there that I don't know about because it's not covered by insurance? And you learn there's a lot out there that isn't covered by insurance. And what I've learned is screening is not covered. You know, you can't just take somebody and look at their arteries for no reason to see if they're at risk or do anything. For anybody, you can't do an oral test to see if they've got pathogenic plaque or bacteria that's going to cause heart disease or stroke. You can't or Alzheimer's or Alzheimer's. You can't screen somebody for sleep apnea, which is extremely common, extremely underdiagnosed, and is going to cause you great harm eventually. So, screening is critical. We that's been really the that's that's our of all of our shows, and why not save some athlete lives? Why not save some American lives? Never mind just about athletes. Well, but it's everybody. Well, why right. not screen? Why not do an echocardiogram on kids going into high-level sports? You right. Know, you know, it doesn't have to be your peewee football. Right. But you know, when you're getting to be like your, you know, your your early college, okay, that's where you're getting enough exertion. You're and you're using your heart enough that it's going to cause a problem. All right. The schools have money. Take 10 minutes to do a screening echocardiogram to identify the people who have, you know, uh, an anomaly that's going to cause them to have sudden death or could. It may not, but it could. Instead, we're finding out an autopsy, what that person had or didn't have. So pathetic and so unbelievable, especially in this country, especially when you have the technology here and you have the diagnostic tests that are out there. And, you know, we've had we've we've had the CT scan for 20 years that identifies plaque in the arteries. It has never been covered by insurance. Shame on the insurance companies. And not to mention all the other tests, the CIMT, one of the most important tests that you talk about all the time to diagnose heart attack and stroke. 
not covered by the insurance companies. And the thing that we were worried about and that we talked about over the break is I think that we so rely on our doctors writing prescriptions and they're only writing prescriptions for tests that are covered by insurance. Or conditions that you already have. Right. And it's not prevention if you already have the disease. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't apply the principles the principles of prevention to people that already have a condition because you can turn back the clock and reduce that condition and reduce further injury by applying the principles of prevention to people with disease. That's how we reduce plaque. We see plaque in our office shrink all the time. We can make people not diabetic. It's all very possible. Yeah, well, prevention is the key. No, prevention is the key. So I'm going to tell all the listeners to tune in next week because I, I think we just should argue this point out next week <laughs> and let people know about it. Go Absolutely. ahead, Siobhan. Let's close. All right. Unfortunately, we are out of time. So I'd quickly like to thank Dr. Brian Collender, MD, specialist in prevention for being here tonight and for being willing to share his expertise and knowledge with regards to not only the prevention of disease, but also on the importance of being proactive and engaging with the practice that provides access to the next necessary testing. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Siobhan Cronin, along with Anne-Marie Cronin tonight, and we hope you got some useful information on how to be your own advocate and to take charge of your health, whatever your medical journey may be. Please continue to tune in to our shows Sunday afternoon at 3, Thursday evening at 7 for the latest medical updates. Thanks for listening to 760 WJR. Good night and be well.